Welcome to Kingdom News, where you'll hear how God is influencing our region locally and globally. See how the Bible is relevant to today's news and learn how you can be involved with local faith events. Now here's your host, Tony Bosserman. And greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the final broadcast of Kingdom News here on KFIA Radio. It's been a good run, six years. Hope you've enjoyed it. I have. Well, it turns out that the two Republicans who broke ranks with the Republican Party announced that they would vote against Education Secretary nominee uh, Betsy DeVos have received thousands of dollars from the nation's largest teachers union. Big surprise. Yes, Senators Lisa Murkowski, Republican from Alaska, and Susan Collins, Republican from Maine, have each benefited from contributions from the National Education Association. Collins getting about 2000 from the union uh, back in 2002 and 2008. And uh, Susan Collins, about 23,000. So the NEA represents 3 million members, making it the wealthiest and most influential union in the country. And it protects, of course, the teachers and the schools. The NEA, along with other labor groups like the American Federation of um, Teachers, has waged a fierce campaign against DeVoe, a billionaire, philanthropist, and school choice activist. So they don't like the fact that she is a school choice activist. And teachers unions donate almost exclusively to the Democrats. The NEA contributed $2.3 million to Democrat candidates in 2016, for instance, while the Republicans only received 350000 So the top beneficiaries of union largesse have already voted against DeVoe's nomination at the committee level. The union donated 740000 to those 11 Democrat members that voted against her. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that continues to go on in our country. And it's ironic that the party that promotes choice for women when it comes to their bodies doesn't want to give choice to parents or children inside the womb or outside the womb concerning their education. And that's just wrong. You know, the word choice appears in your Bible 71 times, and it shows that Yahweh is a God of choice. He lets us choose our clothing. He lets us choose our food. He lets us choose our path in life. You know, he's given us free will. And so, of course, the Democrats come along, and they want to take away choice from schools and from parents. And, of course, they know, the teachers' union does, that if vouchers were given to parents and they could shop schools, that then the schools would have to become more competitive. A lot of the teachers that are now currently in schools would not make the grade. You know, they'd have to be fired, let go in order for schools to compete. And that would, of course, make schools better across the board. And competition always does. But again, the Democrats don't want to give that kind of choice. So, of course, she's going to go on and get a full Senate vote and probably uh, be chosen to head up, you know, this uh, education department. And hopefully, you know, over the next uh, three, four years, she'll be able to bring school choice and vouchers to every single family in America. 
Well, we're creeping closer to the apocalypse, and this is not a story from religionists, but a panel of scientists and scholars. You know, usually it's religionists that are, you know, made fun of for making predictions about the future, doom and gloom, that type of thing. But remember back in the 1960s, we were told that we were going to enter into another ice age, and now, of course, it's global warming. But this panel of scientists and scholars, the Chicago-based Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, has moved the doomsday clock, a symbolic countdown to the end of the world, to two and a half minutes to midnight. Now, the hand moved to three minutes to midnight in 1949 at the start of the nuclear arms race. And in a statement released earlier this week, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists said it was taking a number of recent developments into account. They said, quote, a rise in strident nationalism worldwide. President Donald Trump's comments on nuclear arms and climate issues, a dark global security landscape that, of course, is colored by increasingly uh, sophisticated technology and growing disregard for scientific expertise were among the criteria that they used. So this team of Nobel Nobel laureates at the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists has been compiling research and analysis to set the doomsday clock since 1945. A lot of people don't know this, but this, uh, you know, is a group of scientists that this is what they do. They study uh, world trends and conditions to try to warn us that we're heading towards doomsday. And the independent nonprofit group uses data to assess global threats linked to treaty negotiations, geopolitical uh, tensions, and developments in the world of technology. And back in 1963, scientists moved the clock back to 12 minutes from 7 after U.S. and Soviet leaders signed the partial test ban treaty, ending all atmospheric nuclear testing. So in subsequent years, it has swung back and forth, landing at an alarming three minutes to midnight back in 1984 when the U.S.-Soviet relations reached a new low, before swinging back to 17 minutes from midnight in 1991 after the end of the Cold War when the Berlin Berlin Wall came down. So while geopolitical factors uh, do feature heavily in this year's evaluation, Emerging risks posed by new technologies have also flagged for the damage they might reap if they fall into the wrong hands. And these include the rise of artificial intelligence and security threats, including the potential misuse of biotechnology. You know, developments in biotechnology, which enables humans to synthesize organs uh, from scratch, come with a risk that bioterrorists will make weapons out of synthetic viruses. And this would, of course, widen an already diverse arsenal of weaponry that threatens to end the world. But, of course, these are fragile men. They know nothing of the future. And as the book of Isaiah chapter 41 says, you know, God challenging humankind You know, make a prediction. Show us the future. Show us that you are gods. Well, of course, only Yahweh declares the end from the beginning. And he's given us many prophecies throughout the Bible that have been fulfilled over the years. And, of course, uh, the latest was the reestablishment of Israel as a nation in 1948. There are many more to come. 
But Jesus did say, and kind of set a doomsday clock in his statement of Matthew twenty four twenty one, when he said, For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. So an unparalleled time of trouble coming. And then he said this, Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, that's you and I, those days will be shortened. So Jesus is saying, in what is commonly called the Olivet Prophecy, that uh, short of his divine intervention, mankind would come to the brink of extinction sometime in the future because of many of the things that these scientists have just spoken on. So the Bible, of course, gives us much more details and talks about why these things are going to happen. And, of course, it goes back to one simple word, coexist. You've seen the bumper sticker. And, of course, you know that uh, the various letters in that uh, word, coexist, stand for various philosophies and religions. And, of course, they are competing ideologies in that sense. You know, with the letter C at the beginning of the word coexist, standing for Islam. And, of course, radical Islam, basically uh, promising to erase any resistance to Islam off of the earth. That is their goal and intent. So right off the bat, the first letter in coexist, you know, seems to work against the others. The O is the symbol of peace, the E, the LGBT symbol, the star, of course, the star of David uh, depicting the Jews and the Jewish religion. The I is symbolic of human philosophy, or, or of the occult, excuse me, and the S is symbolic of human philosophy. And the T, of course, is the cross of Jesus Christ, symbolic of Christianity. So it was a Polish graphic designer who won a contest, actually, uh, coming up with this symbol. But it shows that we are a house divided in this world, that we have competing and conflicting ideologies and perspectives that your Bible says are ultimately going to bring this kind of destruction, the kind of destruction that Jesus is speaking of here, that would end all life on this planet. So why is it that when religionists talk about the end of the world and the end of the age and doomsday, you know, that it's just hyperbole, but when scientists do it, well, we're supposed to believe it, and it's something, you know, that we should take seriously. You know, when you look at the track records of political forecasters and of scientists down through the decades, they don't come anywhere clear, close to uh, the predictions that your Bible makes. And, of course, we've gone over many of those over the years. We talked about, of course, the 400 years that uh, Israel was promised to, or prophesied to be in Egypt, but then come out and become a nation of their own. And that, of course, happened to the very day. And, of course, the fact that Israel was taken into captivity for 70 years, that was prophesied at the end of the book of Second Chronicles. And 70 years later, God made sure that there was a king that was raised up. His name was Cyrus, who then put forth a decree 
that, of course, the people of Israel could go back and rebuild the temple grounds and the walls of Jerusalem. So those are just a couple of the prophecies. There's many throughout the Bible, and God shows that he is indeed the one who declares the end from the beginning. So when the doomsday clock is set by scientists, remember who it is that really knows what's going to happen. And he's detailed it out. And, of course, it involves the very conflict that is pictured in that word coexist. Well, we've got to take a break here. And when we come back, uh, more news from the biblical perspective and kind of a summary of what Kingdom News has been all about and some final thoughts as I spend a few final moments with you. And welcome back to Kingdom News. You know, over the last six years, Kingdom News has demonstrated that our Bibles are not just the source of true religion. Our Bibles record the source of the universe, human origins, and how our Creator developed nations, the social groupings that He intended mankind to experience. Over the years, if you've been a regular listener, you've heard me talk about some of these things. Like in Psalm 74, verse 17, where it says, You, Yahweh, have set all the borders of the earth. So it's kind of a manifest destiny that occurred going way back to the Tower of Babel. When the Most High divided the inheritance of the nations, he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples, according to Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. And he's made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That's in Acts 17.26. So we have these three major statements in the Bible that it is God who's the author of borders and nations and, of course, even language. You know, after the flood, humanity gathered into a single empire in the confines of the Middle East And so Yahweh scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth because there Yahweh confused the language of all the earth. And from there Yahweh scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth, Genesis 11, 8, and 9 says. So remember the very first command in the Bible given by Yahweh was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God, after the flood, didn't want man gathering into one big empire in the Middle East, and that's it. No, so he created, again, a kind of manifest destiny within the various ethnic groups by dividing them through languages and to gather together with those that understood the same language. And no doubt uh, God took the genetic pool and arranged it according to the languages that he wanted to eventually become the Chinese or the Japanese or the Italians or the French. But he didn't stop there. Yahweh eventually birthed the nation of Israel out of another nation, Egypt. And he did that to convey to all nations what a nation could be and should be. And, of course, the nation of Israel, ancient Israel, was a republic, much like today, and the U.S. in which Moses uh, was instructed by God 
to, you know, say to the tribes, basically, choose wise, understanding and knowledgeable men from among your branches or from your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. That's in Deuteronomy one thirteen. So Israel had three branches of government with Yahweh occupying the executive branch. They had a priesthood which established and taught his law. And then, of course, these tribal leaders who acted as judges. So the first five books of the Bible became Israel's constitution. And a system of law which Moses wrote would be Israel's wisdom and understanding in the sight of the peoples who would hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as Yahweh our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? So this very important text in Deuteronomy chapter 4 shows that God gave a system of law to Israel that would be unparalleled and would be the admiration of the world. And our founding fathers, of course, used some of those first five books of the Bible in establishing our system of law. In Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, you've heard me talk about these chapters that Yahweh gave us the blessings and cursings chapters, and they were to specifically lay out the conditions by which nations would be blessed or cursed. And you've heard me talk about the fact that the first curse God brings upon a nation that won't obey him is terror. And we've seen that since the beginning of the new millennia. But Yahweh says, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. But he also gives us a way to be blessed. He says, when I shut up heaven and there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And of course, I've related to you how Abraham Lincoln and other presidents of the United States have called for national prayer and fasting at times in our history, and God has heard and healed our land. On foreign policy, Yahweh has much to say from warning Israel not to meddle in other nations' affairs that's in 2 Chronicles 25, 19, to how important a faithful ambassador is in establishing healthy relationships with other nations. That's in Proverbs 13, 17. So our Bibles tell us there's a time to kill and a time for war in Ecclesiastes 3, but Scripture also tells us that wisdom is a defense as money is a defense in Ecclesiastes seven twelve. And that the wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. So these are values that are played out in conservative politics in our country and in European countries. And they come from your Bible. When a nation musters its strength and builds up its you know, military might as a deterrent, well, people don't want to mess with them, and it brings peace. 
And on governance, the Bible tells us that it is by justice that a king gives a country stability. But those who are greedy for bribes tear it down. And so politicians, of course, are those who you know, are greedy for bribes sometimes and want to tear it down. So there's a little overview of what uh, some of the lessons that we've learned here on Kingdom News. And again, if you'd like to continue to hear the news from the biblical perspective, you can tune in on Sunday evenings for two hours from 9 to 11 on KTKZ. And you can go to ktkzgot.com and press the live button. Or you can just uh, go to 1380 on the AM dial Sunday evenings at 9. It gives you a chance to call in and... Uh, you'll hear three world views of the news. It's been great being with you. Don't forget to pray for that permanent solution to mankind's problems. Thy kingdom come.